0: Will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Go back to sleep, Meg said. Just be glad you're a kitten and not a monster like me. Meg looked at herself in the wardrobe mirror and made a horrible face bearing a mouthful of teeth covered with braces. Automatically, she pushed her glasses into position, ran her fingers through her mouse brown hair so that it stood wildly on end and let out a sigh almost as noisy as the wind. In the first chapter of A Wrinkle in Time, this is how we are introduced to the main character, Meg Murray. The reader knows right away that Meg feels like an outsider. She is the oldest of four children, and her parents are renowned scientists. However, her dad has been off working on a top secret project, and they haven't seen or heard from him in a really long time. Because of this, the town starts rumors that their dad has ran off with another woman. Meg's youngest brother, Charles Wallace, is five, and he doesn't talk around other people. Every kid in town makes fun of the five-year-old and often teases Meg that her brother is slow and has developmental issues. As if these rumors and teasing wasn't enough, like we read at the beginning, Meg also just straight up feels like a misfit. She has braces and bushy hair, and she often gets in fights, not just with other children, but with teachers too. Yet, even though Meg is seen as weak and as weird, she's the only one who can reunite her father with their family and, in the process, save the entire world. Today, we begin a new four-week series called Summer Vibes. During this series, we will look at a book, a movie, a destination, and a musical. It will be a pretty laid-back series with fun topics that help us bridge the gap between pop culture and our faith. I first read A Wrinkle in Time in sixth grade. My best friend, ironically named Meg, loved the book, and she had her own worn-out copy that she let me borrow over a weekend to read. I've shared with you all before that I really enjoy works of fiction. I like being taken off into another world and to have my own life suspended for a little bit. It was around this time in sixth grade that I was developing this lifelong passion for Harry Potter, of course. And a wrinkle in time fit nicely into the genre that I was growing to love. There was a young protagonist. Bonus points that it was a girl. And she felt like she didn't really belong. There was a mystery of where her father had gone. There were characters in this novel that seemed larger than life, particularly three by the name of Mrs. Who, Mrs. What's It, and Mrs. Which. There were friendships that were formed even in the midst of Meg feeling like an outsider. And there were science fiction elements that kept me on the edge of my seat. I loved A Wrinkle in Time. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we are introduced to a group of people who also feel like outsiders. Paul has helped to create this church that is full of people from all different walks of life, just like many of the early churches. While this church is meeting and they're trying to follow in Jesus' footsteps, they've also messed up. They've messed up a lot. They are a messy people. My New Testament professor at Perkins was a woman by the name of Dr. Jamie Clark-Souls, and she recently published this brilliant book on 1 Corinthians. It has an accompanying uh, study and DVD if you're interested. Highly recommend, except this is the library's copy, so you'll have to wait till I'm done with it. All this aside, in her book, Dr. Clark-Souls writes about this early church at Corinth. She says this. I consider 1 Corinthians the church's book. I suggest that everyone considering joining a church be required to read it and then ask, are you ready to be a part of this? If I asked you to make a list of issues in your church, I think you'd be hard-pressed to top the church in Corinth. Community is simultaneously crucial and complicated. This is the community that Paul is writing to. It's a community that is trying desperately to be faithful in the midst of their human tendencies. We know this community. We are this community. We all come to worship every Sunday, not because we're perfect, at least I hope that's not why we're coming here, And it's not because we've all made the right choices every single day either. We come to this place to be closer with our creator and to be in community with other humans despite any imperfections we may have. The church at Corinth is not beyond doing better. Paul cares deeply for these people, this community. Paul wants them to grow deeper in their faith, even in the midst of drama and trauma. Our scripture reading this morning will be from the letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Hear the words of the apostle Paul. Look at your situation when you were called, brothers and sisters. By ordinary human standards, not many were wise. Not many were powerful. Not many were even from the upper class. But God chose what the world considers foolish to shame the wise, God chose what the world considers weak to shame the strong. And God chose what the world considers low class and low life, what is considered to be nothing, to reduce what is considered to be something to nothing. So no human being can brag in God's presence. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. He became wisdom from God for us. This means that he made us righteous and holy. And he delivered us. This is consistent with what was written. The one who brags should brag in the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Jesus came to earth as a tiny little baby. A baby that was born into a modest environment It's an unexpected family. Jesus did ministry in a new way. He didn't spend time just with the rich and the powerful. Jesus gave space and voice to those who were on the margins. Jesus took a symbol of death and destruction, the cross, and redeemed it into a sign of everlasting life. That's offered to all people for all time. Paul reminds the Corinthians that this faith that they've chosen, the Jesus they've chosen to follow, wasn't the ruler that everyone expected. What does this mean for the Corinthians? What does it mean to have faith in a God that gives voice to the weak, that doesn't overthrow oppressors through governmental powers? that doesn't give everyone tidy little answers to all of their hard-hitting questions. Instead, Paul says, God chose what the world considers foolish to shame the wise. God chose what the world considers weak to shame the strong. The faith of those first believers is unlike anything else at the time. What they are doing is so counterculture to the world around them, not just counterculture to their communities, but counterculture to the faith, to the religions that they were raised in too. While this church at Corinth is full of people from many different social classes and different experiences, Paul reminds them that following Jesus is not a popular thing. It is not a movement with instant perks and likes. Instead, becoming the church and following Jesus is hard. And doing so in community is complicated. Some may even call following Jesus foolish or weird. In a wrinkle in time, it is Meg, the girl with braces and messy hair and oversized glasses who calls herself a monster and is looked down upon by everyone around her. It's her, it's Meg that brings her father home. It's Meg that restores order to the world. She was chosen to save her father by three unlikely guides, Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Which. These guides see the potential lying inside of her. While Meg isn't popular, while Meg has a brother who others think is simple, while Meg has a missing father and is faced with hateful rumors from the town, she's the only one who's capable of creating a happy ending for this story. Meg, a girl who felt weak, who felt less than. Her identity is redeemed. Meg's bravery and kindness and strength was there all along. It just took someone seeing her and embracing her The Corinthians feel less than, and Paul is determined to redeem their worth. Paul sees the worth of this community of believers. Paul believes that they can flourish and that they can actually bring others to Christ in that flourishing. Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians to challenge them to do better. He wants them to recognize their missteps and to try something new, to turn a new leaf. He wants these people to realize that the weak and the messy can be redeemed, that they can share in the love of a God for all people. Jesus shows each of us what it means to be redeemed And loved. Jesus came into the world different than what was expected. Jesus taught that compassion and kindness were more important than status and social correctness. While Jesus brought this new life to all people, it wasn't in a fancy, shiny, showy off kind of way, it wasn't loud and in your face. It wasn't in a way that praised the powerful and shamed the weak. When we, as a community, commit to following Jesus, we have to realize those imperfections that live inside of each of us. When we commit to follow Jesus, we must know that it won't always be the most popular decision. And it won't even always look like the way everyone else seems to try to follow Jesus. It's really hard to live our lives convinced of the gospel. It's hard to feel like an outsider and still be drawn to the newness that God offers to each of us. How can we balance space to acknowledge when we've totally missed the mark and still have space to commit to do better. While the world may look at us and label us as weird or messy or weak or complicated, God claims each of us as God's own. at the end of A Wrinkle in Time. Le'Engle writes this. Meg knew all at once that Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch, her guides, must be near because all through her, she felt a flooding of joy and of love that was even greater and deeper than the joy and love which were already there. Then there was a worrying, and Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Which were standing in front of them, and that joy, that love, was so tangible that Meg felt that if she only knew where to reach, she could touch it with her bare hands. Meg's guides challenge her. They expect her to be better, to do better. Paul challenges the church at Corinth. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He calls them out for their mistakes but he also guides them along the path and points them all back to Jesus. As a community, we are called to do this for one another, to recognize our messiness, our weakness, our weirdness, and through it all, love others and love God, to share a message of hope to a world that desperately needs it. We are all worthy of God's love. God's love is for the poor, for the forgotten, for the outcast, for the weak. God redeems each of us. Amen.